Once, when returning from far Transylvania, through mountain forests, rocks, and Carpathian ridges, halting by a ford at the close of day, my companions had sent me ahead to look for passage. I let my horse graze, and out of the saddlebag took the Holy Scripture. The light was so gracious, murmur of streams so sweet, that reading Paul's epistles and seeing the first star, I was soon lulled into a profound sleep. A young man in ornate Greek raiment touched my arm, and I heard his voice. Your time, O mortals, hastens by like water. I have descended, and I have descended, and known its abyss. It was I whom cruel Paul chastised in Corinth for having stolen my father's wife, and by his order I was to be excluded from the table at which we shared our meals. Since then I have not been in gatherings of the saints, and for many years I was led by the sinful love of a poor plaything given to temptation, and so we doomed ourselves to eternal ruin. But my Lord and my God, whom I knew not, tore me from the ashes with his lightning, in his eyes, your truth count for nothing. His mercy saves all living flesh. Awake under huge starry sky, having received help unhoped for, absolved of care about our paltry life, I wiped my eyes wet with tears. No, I've never been to Transylvania. I've never brought messages from there to my church, but I could have. This is an exercise in style, the pluperfect tense of countries imperfective. But what I'm going to tell you now is not invented. The narrow street just opposite the university was called, in fact, Literary Lane. On the corner, a bookstore, but not books, just sheaves of paper up to the very ceiling, unbound, tied with string, print and handwriting in Latin, Cyrillic script, in Hebrew letters. From a hundred, three hundred years ago, now it seems to me like quite a fortune. From this bookstore, you could see a similar one facing it, and their owners were similar too. Faded beards, long black caftans, red eyelids. They hadn't changed since the day Napoleon passed through the town. Nothing has changed here. The privilege of stones? They always are, for that is the way they like it. Beyond the second store, you turn along a wall and pass a house where a poet famous in our city wrote a tablet about a princess named Grigina. Next, a wooden gate studded with nails as huge as fists. Under the vault, and there was a room for and there was a room for rent. Low ceilinged with a bay window and oak bed, heated webs leading through woods and mountains, to bring that room back here. Yet I be I belong to those who believe in apocatastasis. That word promises reverse movement. Not the one that was set in catastasis and appears in Acts three twenty one. It means restoration. So believed St. Gregory of Nyssa, Johannes Scotus Erigena, Roosbrook, and William Blake. For me, therefore, everything has a double existence, both in time and when time shall be no more. I could keep going. <laughs> oh, man. I could keep going. Uh, this is, uh, that, was a, that was a selection of, from Cheswav Milosh's um, poem, Entitled, what did I say it was entitled now? I forgot. Uh, From the Rising of the Sun. That was section seven, or part of section seven, called Bells in Winter. And uh, so I've been, re I, I've been reading Cheswaf Milosh for like, oh, uh, I'd say about a, this academic year, since the beginning of this mm -hmm. academic year, uh, at the suggestion of Brother Angelus, actually. Um, he's a, this guy's a Polish writer. He died in 2004. 
four, uh, he he. He, he lived a lot of his life, actually, in California, San Francisco, uh, Berkeley area. I think he taught at Berkeley, or he was a writer in residence hmm. or something. Um, so so every morning I pray, and then after I pray, I read a little little Milosh. And uh, this morning I was blown away <laughs> by the fact that he says he belongs to those who believe in apocastasis, the restoration of all things. So believed St. Gregory of Nyssa. I was blown away. What? I couldn't believe he was a Nyssa guy. Yeah. After reading this in September, you know, these these poems. Yeah. And he's a Nyssa guy. And and he believes. I mean, it came out when he talked, when he had this dream, too. Oh. The guy from Paul's letter in Corinth comes to him in this dream. Or not really his dream. He was faking it. But yeah. I'm still trying to understand. What, yeah. He's yeah. hard to understand in, yeah. in, in a lot of places. But but I think he agrees uh, a lot with sort of Nissan ideas. But how he said, you know, um, Paul chastised him, and he was he, he doomed himself to eternal ruin, ruin. But my Lord and my God, whom I knew not, tore me from the ashes with his lightning. In his eyes, your truths count for nothing. His mercy saves all living flesh. Obviously, Milosh yeah. was was a universalist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but he was like ridiculous. Well, he's Polish, yeah. so of yeah. course he's Catholic. Um, but he was uh, he took his his faith really seriously. If you keep reading in that section, he t- he starts quoting the mass parts and, and talking huh. about how he was the censor for the priest. And, wow. Um, but yeah, he's he's a Nissen. Bells in winter. Bells in winter is the section yeah. of the of the huh. poem. Um, which was, I, I forgot again what it's called. <laughs> From the rising of the sun. Yeah, that's it, that's it. To its setting. Yeah. So, and, and he mentions uh, Scotus Erigena, yeah. who I knew as a guy I need to start reading, uh-huh. um, but probably other people like um, Meister Eckhart, yeah. Corsudo Dionysius, Maximus Confessor, all these people. Um, yeah. but, but anyway. That's great. So, yeah, I figured we'd start with some different, different, something different today. Different music to the ears. Yeah, different music, exactly. Um, because because I read that this morning, right when I read St. Gregory of Nyssa, I was like, okay, that's oh, just, that's <laughs> this has got to go in the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. But I do that's highly awesome. recommend reading reading Milosh. I mean, there's there's other poems in here that I could I could read to you guys, but, but this is not a Milosh class. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> but you know what? Online education, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we should probably get into Gregory here, okay? Um, so we uh, we ended with the foxes, right? We talked about foxes the last foxes. time. Yep, the little foxes. The little foxes, right? They're and so that, cute. That, yeah, <laughs> that pathetic little fox, right? You can, you can knock them away with the table, walnut yeah, table leg. Right, right. <laughs> get them out of here. <laughs> Actually, your 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 little fox, uh, the cat seal, almost ate one of our chickens. Oh, really? Did it, we'll tell, I'll talk to you about this after. But <laughs> <laughs> I hope you threw a table leg at her. Yeah, she was more scared of the chicken than. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> so they'll fight back. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think that cat is uh, is 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 that tough of a of a character. Yeah, when you're used to you know eating food. And <laughs> when you're used to food in a bowl every morning, it's thanks. hard. It's hard to fight like a thanks to Lucy and Leo chicken about the size of you. I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have to hear that story. Yeah. Um, but let's get into some Nissa here. So we start with Love's Quest. Um, which I thought was um, really some good stuff here. Um, I mean, it's 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 really interesting as as I read more of this. I'm seeing, uh, of course, Niss is going to say this when he brings up this this image. Of course, Niss is going to say this yeah. when he talks about this. 
right? I can see everything. And yet there's more, too. It's not just repetition. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this this idea that he has in, in this section, um, of course, there's no limit to perfection, right? We all know that. Um, but the imagery that he takes from, from the canticle where she, she searches for him in the bed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to lay down with him in the bed, right? The nuptial bed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe this isn't this section, but this, yeah, no, this is this section, it's 201, section. right? 201. She searches for him in the bed. I sought him in my bed at night. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, to learn of his substance is what Gregory says that means. His beginning and his end, and in what his essence consists. Sounds like? You know me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, sounds like she's a little you know me in the bride, right? Yeah. But she sought him in the bed, right? So that she could get she, she could get to the heart of what he is, right? This is, again, there's this marriage imagery uh-huh. here, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but I found him not. I called him by name. Right? She says yeah, that great. too, right? This, this is, is this is actually. Bottom of 201. Uh, 202. Yeah, 202. I called him by, I called him, but he answered not, right? And, and Gregory's like, of course he answered not. Because you were calling him something that he's not named. Why? How do you know that? You don't know what she called. It doesn't matter, right? He is unnameable. He's beyond all names, yeah. right? And so he takes this 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 section um, to be an explanation that you're not going to find him if you try to seek to grasp his substance, right? And so he uses this great line here. Um, where he says, um, he asks this question, right? Uh, he says the angels, she asks this to the angels. Is it possible that my beloved can be comprehended? Have you seen him whom my soul loveth? Yeah. And their only answer to the question is silence. This is 202, right? Right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And by their silence, they show that what she seeks is incomprehensible to them, right? Um, which actually, uh, what was I just reading? Um, oh, there's a hymn. Uh, crown him with many crowns. If you look up the verse, crown him the Lord of love, um, there's a whole section in there that talks about the angels bowing their heads because they cannot look at the majesty of huh. of God. Huh. Um, they can't look at the precious so, mystery or something like so that. There was, so I had two... There, there was a, a, an ambiguity. Okay. Um, uh, and... and so you can I, I when I was reading this I, I was wondering which of these two does it mean or maybe it, 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 it could be both have you so it's right the sentence where you read have you seen him whom my soul loveth their only answer to the question is silence and by their silence they know that what she seeks is incomprehensible to them yeah and that to them in contrast to like like is it that she she seeks something which they know they they can't know they can't know yeah and and that doesn't necessarily mean like so is there something about the the angels limitation and not being like changing so is it, is there something unique about man and his eternal progress always more always changing that, that he can surpass the that angels. he surpasses the angels i didn't see i didn't see that there that's very interesting so it's either right what i originally thought which is probably the other one that is incomprehensible to them because he's incomprehensible to everybody because they know yeah they know that you can't 
you can't so, go to the bed and, and grasp him. And and so so I so I I, I was I actually spent probably too long reflecting on these these two sentences. Uh, not possible. Okay. It's the scripture we're talking okay. about, Jamie. Okay. Come on. Okay, good. Good, good. Okay. <laughs> so We've been re- we've been reflecting on these for two thousand years. Yeah, okay. more than that, I guess. Good. Song of Songs, who knows? Fifth Good. century BC or so. Something. Twenty minutes on this isn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not enough. It's okay. not enough. So, but I, I was I was thinking that you have they know the reason they don't respond is because they're not entirely sure what she is what she is asking or seeking. Uh-huh. All right, so there's sort of an incomprehensibility in her in her quest. Because because man quests and continues to quest, yeah. Whereas maybe they don't. Not like, oh, we know God and we know He's incomprehensible. Um, but rather, um, we don't really understand your insatiable drive. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I it's know. you're 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 kind of getting into sort of angelology here, um, and and there's a question about whether an intellectual nature wouldn't always be like that in some sense yeah or and maybe if it's if eternity as yeah. thomas says right maybe maybe their quest is a less changing one yet questish nonetheless yeah. Yeah. right in some mysterious yeah. way right I, yeah. I would i would think that i mean and maybe he's just saying i don't understand how you don't understand god because you don't understand god in a different way than i don't understand god right but but yeah. we both can be united with him in this real way yeah. in this non-understanding way yeah yeah, I, I was trying to. I was just. I read this trying to tie it up with what he said about. I think it was in the catechetical discourse. Uh-huh. His man's unique, and it was also in the hexameron, the uh, the unique on the making of man. On the making. Wait, it was on the making of man. Yeah, um, the the um, unique material, um, and therefore the the, the the changeability, the mutability of man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that that seems to be at the root of this drive from dove to dove, from glory yeah. to glory. Yeah. And therefore, there's a, there's a way... Virtue which, to virtue, he says yeah, in another place. The way in which man pursues God is going to be by by that very nature, mm-hmm. which seems to... And this was, a, this was an assumption that, that I was making, or maybe thinking could be made, um, that angels don't don't have that type of intensity of change. Or yeah. Of well, it's, I mean, it, it actually could agree with Gregory's own theology because if you remember, it's in the Catechetical Discourse where he says the reason that the devil tempted man was because of his envy, not of sort of, um, I don't know what I mean when I say traditional, <laughs> not, yeah. not like what I heard when I started, you know, really getting deeper into theology, that the envy of the devil was that of the fact that God would become man. Yeah. But rather, Gregory thinks it just has to do with human nature in general, like it, as a thing. Right. Being this, um, would... being this kind of thing that can that can uh, be material and change and move towards God. Yeah. Right. And so it could be that 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 would actually fit his understanding of that but that the good angels are the ones that accept their lot of not being man but being angels and and really there's 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 other theological grounds to say something like this because we know the queen of angels is a human yeah yeah and 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 that the the king of the universe is human yeah 
Okay, so um, there's there seems to I I've always thought that the coronation of Mary is a revelation of something about human nature in contradistinction to angelic nature. Yeah, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't I, think I, that at all. But uh, I see what you're saying. I just thought that to them opened up a, a ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. But, but but it could still mean that. But nonetheless, yeah. nonetheless, Oof. the question and the silence leads her yeah. on yeah. to move towards what, whether it's human or just intelligent form, needs to go. Which which and this is the great line that I was yeah. getting to that after she had gone about the entire super mundane city, by the operation of her mind, right? So she's running around in the streets, um, looking for her love, and he, and he takes this to be meaning like she's trying to think of what can I, what is God. Mm-hmm. After she goes around and in her mind and has not recognized her beloved, even among things spiritual and immaterial, right? Yeah, the yeah. angels. Yeah. Then at last she gives up all she has found. Yeah. For she realizes that what she seeks can be understood only in the very inability to comprehend his essence. And that, and that this is, so that's really interesting. And that sounds very Nyssa, right? It's only by not seeing that you see. And that every intelligible attribute becomes merely a hindrance to those who seek to find him. That's why she says, when I had... A little passed by them, I abandoned all creatures and passed by all that is intelligible in creation. And when I gave up every finite mode of comprehension, then it was that I found my beloved by faith, and I will never let him go. Which is interesting. It's a grasping that's 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 only a non-grasping. Yes. And it's a holding that's only a non-holding. And maybe it matches what Jesus says to Mary Magdalene, right? Do not hold on to me. Yeah. Right. No li tangere. Um, the very famous scene that's painted tons of times, right? And uh, I wonder if that has, if, if you could draw something out of that. And I, maybe he did somewhere. Maybe I'm stealing that from him. But I thought that that was, uh, I mean, this is, a, this is in some sense very typical Nyssa, but in another sense, like, he's giving us more insight into this idea of comprehending by incomprehending, right? And this sort of anti-eunomian move that he continually makes, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was beautiful. And I, I, he he ends the section. So I remember thinking when we read song song, what is he going to do with the going into my mother's <laughs> the room chamber? where my mother conceived? Yeah, me. I was yeah. like, how's he gonna? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how's he gonna serve this one up? Yeah. And and I I think this is great what he does at the end of this. This is this is really interesting to me. Um. Um. Very bottom of 202, going on mm-hmm. to 203. For the heart is indeed a chamber to be filled by the divine indwelling. That is, when it is restored to the state that it had in the beginning, as it was when it was made by her that bore me. For surely we could be right in understanding the mother here as the first cause of our being. Mm-hmm. So, so it's always like the, the what what's the, the chamber, like my mother's, so here, he, I guess you can put it this way. Here, mother is actually referring to God. Right. 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 The, the, yeah. the, 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 what, what, what gave birth to him. And so he is coming to unite himself precisely in that. The place where he gave birth. Yeah. To where, he was, where he was birthed. Right? Yeah. Right. He's, yeah. Going to, he's going to unite himself to uh, his, or I guess this is her, her, her um, 
there's too many too many um, pronouns. Going <laughs> <on>. <laughs> the bride. The bride. Yeah, the bride is going to unite herself to the bridegroom in the chamber where the bride was conceived, which was exactly the place where um, the bridegroom is. The bridegroom is. Yeah, because he's the he's the, he's the creator and he's the the final end, like the beginning yeah. and the end. Yeah. Of all of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just thought that was an interesting, really interesting interpretation. Yeah. That I wasn't even. Wasn't thinking about. Yeah, no, I, 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 I thought it was. Um, I mean, it's it's always bold to see somebody use use uh, sort of maternal language for God. I never. I, I always thought it was problematic when I was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm like, it's not a problem at all. I mean, yeah. this is because because I've gone out of my eunomian understanding of God, and so now I see. Well, of course, you have to talk to him as a mother as well, because. No name actually is adequate, right? Yeah, and so, but this, but this gives a lot of insight into into the fact that the beginning is the end, and the end is the beginning. Good T.S. Eliot stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the next, the next section is really interesting too, um, because um, so he starts talking about the masks, and 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 you know what mask is in Greek? Prosopon. Uh, Prosopon, which means person, right? And so, whenever we talk about the theatrical masks in Christian theology. We think um, Trinitarian stuff, right? Which is quite interesting. But here he doesn't quite use it that way. I'm sure there's a connection, uh-huh. but here he doesn't use it that way. Instead, he uses it as this very interesting explanation of being transformed from glory to glory. That the life of perfection means that you never stay the same, and so you're always changing. So just like the actor puts on different masks to take on different roles throughout, it's the same actor taking on different roles throughout the play. So do you, as you get transformed from glory to glory, look different, right? Yeah, yeah. To the point that um, the the friends don't recognize her, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Because she becomes the pillar of smoke. Um, and this pillar of smoke is just – they don't recognize her because before she wasn't. She was beautiful before, but now yeah. she's beautiful in a different and a greater way. Yeah. And that's emphasized by the pillar of smoke, right? And so there's this very interesting thing that, that happens where – and I think it's 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 a pointing again to uh, just after um, and, and and from what I can tell, Danilu is taking these in sequence. Um, it looks like if you look at the numbers and and the sermons that they are going sequentially. So he's not putting anything out of order. So he's already talked about um, her uh, or about God being the one who is unnameable. Mm-hmm. And then he seems to say, you can't pin a name on us either, right, on Uh the bride, Uh because she keeps changing, right? So he says uh, on 205, um, the rising of the bride in the desert is evidence that she has risen so high out of her devotion and her continence that she causes even the friends of the bridegroom to marvel. And they give expression to her loveliness through many images because it is impossible to explain it with one, right? That's just the point that I was making about the motherhood of God, Uh right? uh So they compare her in the, all these different ways, and they're going to continually throughout the poem compare her in all these different ways because the beauty not just of the beautiful one is ineffable, but the beauty of the bride is ineffable too. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, this is going to have to do with his, 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 his understanding of the mirror and that we become what we look at, right, as he continually keeps doing in this Song of Songs commentary. Um, and so I, I think that there's something very interesting that – the ineffability of the bride, it happens because of her constant changingness, mm-hmm. whereas the ineffability of God happens because of his weird immutability or maybe beyond mutability, yeah. we can say. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah. I, but I still think it's interesting that is limitlessness. Yeah. yeah, and so so we well we have a limitlessness too, but it's a specifically creaturely limit, limitlessness, but it is still the mirror of the divine. Limitlessness that I don't know if you want to say plays itself out, but it, it it's a limitlessness yeah. that's in in um, in time, if you will. Yeah. Right. So the the, the yeah, mask changing, right? If yeah, if if time is a measurement of change, right? Right. And but then but that means that at any at any given time, there's always a limit, right? To 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 what we are, right? But but that is not. Um, it's not. It's a not a limited all, limit. Yeah, yeah. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a, a limited uh, limit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, right. So so that we're we're sort of the the limited unlimiter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's a good way to put it. Whereas God is the limitless. Yeah. Uh, one. Right. Right. And and I, that's why I think that um, you know Gregory continually goes back into this this idea that once the bride gets somewhere. She has a forgetfulness of, of, of the stuff of the past. She strains ahead to the, to the stuff forward because, because the point of human nature is to move to the next point, right? And to move to the next one and to the next rung and to the next rung and to the next rung. And, and, and you know, it's this um, satisfying change, which, is, which sounds contrary to classical phys- metaphysics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's Christian metaphysics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's a new explanation of of what man is it's a revelation it's a revelation yeah it's it's in this limit limitlessness that we take on the image of god or, yeah i mean not take on but we most perfectly yeah i mean he, he uses god, language right? we become we become him right yeah um so i i think that there's mm. there's something about about our constant change that is divine which which is which is his point, which sounds completely contrary, right? God is the changeless one, and our constant change is what is what is divine about us. And Gregory's like, yeah, what part of Jesus's message did you not get? <laughs> um, okay, but we should move forward here. Um, I didn't have a ton to say about the the, the, guardians, the guardians of the heart. Yeah, I I liked how. Um, in this in this section, there was a lot of humility. I mean, nothing in particular about what he says about it, but he says, he what he says he says in, in great humility, as if like, shoot, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the three scores means. <laughs> he's like, maybe it's this. Yeah, he's like, and, and of course, this is like uh, because it's uh, it's patristic. There's sort of an obsession obsession with numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and there's a question: why we don't. Yeah, so anymore, I, was, right? I was thinking. I kind of, of get worried about the fact that some, sometimes we read the patristics and we're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, they were weird like that." Yeah. But maybe we're the weird ones. You know? Yeah, and it, but here, so I was thinking, I was thinking about about this. Like, do you, I don't know, you read your initial thoughts. Someone might have when you're reading this. Do you really think that three scores has to do with the the five times twelve yeah. Yeah. and the five senses and the twelve tribes? Yeah, and then you, yeah. Then you multiply them. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you kind of think that's kind of it's kind of I don't know conspiracy theory, yeah. <laughs> but 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 then I started I started thinking about um, but 
if that is an opening to a spiritual understanding, what is what is bad? Call it bad or wrong. Right. About that. Right. Right. So, and 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 if if it turns out that and and maybe this goes this goes to something we were talking about in the last podcast. If if truth is is so so vast as not to be able to be limited to a single description of it, then um, what's what's so incomprehensible to say that the, all numbers, all ratios even are revelations of right of of truth. Right. Right. And, right. and and the most meaningful truth, which is God himself. Right. So I, I also I also think that there's a historical kind of critical uh, insight into this as well, which is, uh, okay, so what did ancient people in the Roman Empire think? Well, they thought if they saw a number that it had a meaning. So perhaps when numbers are put into the scriptures, the original author is intending there to be meetings like this. Yeah. Yeah. Which means... Yeah. According to Dei Verbum, you, yeah. then the Holy Spirit intends that that, yeah. that, that, that a meaning be put in like this, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, a great example of this is uh, one of the Gospels from last week. Um, Jesus on the shore making breakfast for the apostles after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they bring in the fish, and John says, And although there were 153 fish, the net didn't break. And Augustine goes on and on about what this 153 means Uh right but the fact that augustine would think that that number meant something means that probably john intended for that number to mean something because they're really pretty close to the same cultural context yeah yeah uh i mean they're both ancient westerners right Mm -hmm. eastern western Uh uh, historically right i mean uh we we the west takes its its culture from the scriptures the judeo-christian tradition the greeks yeah Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I, it, and and you wonder, even even in in sort of a divine inspiration kind of way, why the heck would God put 153 in there? Right. I mean, there has to be some reason for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, but I think lots of times the reason might be obscure to us, which might have been clearer to them. Yeah. Right. And so. what's, it's it's also I mean I don't want to derail this too much. I'll just make this comment. We can we can keep going. But yeah. It's interesting that um, we 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 think. Well, when you see numbers, that can't mean anything. Um, it's it's sort of at the heart of the mathematical representation of the universe to find numbers and ratios and everything and have those actually be meaningful. Now, they're meaningful not theologically f- for most people that are interested in this, mm-hmm. scientists, right? mm-hmm. but yet they, they still nonetheless think that when you see proportions and ratios and that, that there's there's something this is telling us something about something and now that something is a law or right. what have you but right right but it's still i mean what's interesting is like numbers still are just as meaningful it's just they take on a different source mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it, so it's so it's interesting that we would sort of i guess sequester the meaning of the number to the non-theological or something like that yeah. or to the i don't know physical yeah um and sort of divest it of all metaphysical meaning yeah but it's maybe it's it's sort of a 
it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about in our last podcast. It's sort of an understanding of our own our own misunderstanding of truth as being sort of abstract head stuff. Yeah. Um, rather than being encounter with reality. And so I wonder if that yeah. if if these guys didn't have that problem. Yeah. Like we have. Yeah. I mean they had other problems. Yeah. But not like the ones we have. So. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I I I thought it was a great a great um, just description of here's a guy who who's really confused by what this means and he just is willing to take this take a stab at it yeah say so there's probably better minds um out there that can yeah this. yeah but 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 i but i don't want to i just don't want to dismiss it because i think <coughs> it, i think it's telling us something about the way that they saw the world that we've lost and mm-hmm. perhaps lost to our detriment mm-hmm. right and so um I think this is important. I mean, because because it's not just him who does this stuff. I mean, all yeah. throughout oh, yeah. the patristic era, yeah. they're doing stuff like this, yeah. right? And even even into the Middle Ages, they're doing stuff like this too. So, yeah. I mean, even the idea of the six ages of the earth right, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. is a big thing for uh, Augustine, for Bede, um, whose whose history of the English people is like matching that six yeah. ages yeah. of the world too. And uh, but um, but anyway, um, section fifty, doctrine of infinite growth. Typical Gregory, right? I mean, I mean, this is almost. I almost feel like somebody could read this and 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 almost distill this idea that that we've been talking about this whole semester, right? You got Philippians three thirteen right in the middle of that yep, section, right yep. at the beginning of that section, right? He says Paul does not limit his desire; he, he never ceases his ascent, right? Um, and he talks about um, how we move from strength to strength here, right? That's actually, uh, I mean, the Latin is virtus virtus, right? But he, this is in Greek. What's the Greek for strength? Do you remember? No. <laughs> something, some, some, something similar, probably. Um, but he says specifically, right, uh, that, that, that the the, um, the psalmist says that thou art the most high. This is David, right? David, who is so gloriously elevated. Um, and yet, at the bottom of that page, near the bottom of that page, right, thou indeed art the most high, abiding forever, and canst never seem smaller to those who approach thee. For thou art always to the same degree higher and loftier than the faculties of those who are rising. And yet we still think it's a rising. Right? It's a rising to the infinite. So he's always going to be infinitely higher. And yet at the same time, I mean, higher is maybe not a good word because it sounds like there's a distance between you, yeah. which he's not going to say. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. There's, there's intimacy. Right. Um, but instead, it's, it's, there's always more. There's always more, right? And he specifically says, right, the eye does not see it completely as it is, but only insofar as it can receive it. Um, and... Yet, even then, it hasn't entered the heart of man. Even for the people who, who, who could see it, they don't know. They don't know it completely, right? And so his point that he gets into here on page 213, I, I like how he puts it here. He says, um, starting at the bottom of 212, Thus, though the new grace we may obtain is greater than what we had before, it does not put a limit on our final goal. Rather, for those who are rising in perfection, the limit of the good that is attained becomes the beginning of the discovery of higher goods. So every every goal attained becomes a new beginning towards another goal, which is going to be attained and then be a beginning, right? So there's everything's a beginning, right? And yeah. and this, we kind of talked about this last time, right? Yeah. But there's this idea that whenever you move further, you're always rising again. Yeah. You're always waking up again, right? And you wondered, I mean, this happens to me in my own life, right? I wondered... How did I not? How did I care about that stuff before? When now all I care about is this stuff, which is beyond that, 
page. Um, and it seemed like that was like baby stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now I'm going for the real stuff. But I'm sure once I get the real stuff, yeah. I'm going to say, why do I care about that so much? This is baby stuff. Like yeah. what really matters is what's beyond that. Yeah. Right? And so the, this is what education is, I think, in some sense. And, and of course, if truth is moving into truth, and then, then, then all of this kind of points back to this idea of um, this perpetual rising um, and rising into God, right? Because God is truth. I'm monologuing a lot here. No, I, so <laughs> I, I, I think. I don't. What do you think about this? Um, I mean, this relates to what you were just saying, um, and maybe what Nissa would say about this as well. Uh, that we don't want to think. Um, oh, all that simple stuff that I thought a long time ago, and that I was so wrong about. That was so stupid. Yeah. Um, now, now I'm much better. Even though I kind of recognize oh, I'm probably not fully getting it, what have you. I'm still open to moving forward. But before, stupid. Look at all those stupid people <laughs> thinking all this stupid stuff. Yeah, they're so simple-minded. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but because if what if what designates one as on the way is is this this sort of openness. Like, what sort of progress is made such that you can say, oh, now you're not stupid yeah, in true. your eyes, right. right? Because if you right. really take this infinite progress seriously... You're still infinitely then, far... Then you're <laughs> infinitely stupid, yeah. just as you were before, yeah. right? Yeah, and this is why I think he defines perfection as 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 movement, right? And so yeah. so who's perfect... The guy who's who's progressed further, or the guy who's progressed just started progressing. In a sense, I want to say Gregory's going to say which one's moving forward. Yeah, he's the perfect one because yeah. it has nothing to do with how far you are. Because in a sense, yeah. distance isn't a reality. Yeah, yeah, and it might be the more that you realize that the the the, the I don't know the more intimate you are with the the, the one you're pursuing, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's. Uh, doesn't he say, he goes on in the previous section he ends by talking about the the, the, the soldier and the, the or the warrior the Israelite the warrior and the child but he, he brings that up a, I thought later at the towards the end of the reading um, and he, he sort of likened the childhood child state to the um, the, the state of salvation or something like that was did he say something like that but, but it had to do with um, the, the 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 pure purification. Um, pure eye, the single eye. Maybe the pure eye. I don't know. I, I I made. I thought I made a big to do about it. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I I I thought that uh, um, one of the, like what's what might be going on is we're returning to. Oh no, I think here it is. Maybe. Yeah, bottom of 210. This was the last section. Okay. Uh, um, the bed also represents... This is bottom of 210. The bed also represents the rest and happiness of the elect. Um, we learned this from what the Lord says to the man who knocks uh, importunely at the door at night. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. And he's like, um, what's, what's going on? What does he mean by the, the children are with yeah. me in bed? And, yeah. he, and he goes on to say, it's because they have 
Um, they're the most pure. Uh, and, and by this, we are taught that the perfection we attain by our efforts is none other than what, sorry, than that which was implanted in our nature at the beginning. So in some ways, to attain the end is to to to, to return, return to the beginning to the to the to the unsoiled beginning in some ways. <clears throat> um, for when a man is girt his sword on his thigh by devotion to the life of perfection and has thus cast out all passion, he becomes, as it were, a child in years because he is no longer sensitive to such passionate impulses. So, it's in, in many ways it's it's seems that the the movement to perfection is actually a movement to simplicity or movement to, mm-hmm. to, uh, um, yeah, I guess you can call it simplicity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this is, this is, this is like the Balthazar, uh, till you, unless you become like this child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also in the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Jesus took the kid, you mean? Yeah, Jesus took the kid. Um, and he <laughs> and says, said, you got to be like this guy. Gotta be like this guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and even you know, being born a second time. Yeah, right. And, and I, so we tend to think of maybe the the the, uh, the 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 life and pursuit of of God is this life of maturing, and it is a life of maturing, but it's a life of maturing that is not moving away from the origin from childhood, 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 but it's a, but it's a perfecting, child, yeah perfecting of it childlikeness yeah childlikeness yeah the perfection of childlikeness which it which is which is kind of a going back because there's an idea that 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 the defection of the person is a movement away from the childlikeness yeah and so you have to go back to it right and and gregory can a, a lot of times i mean he'll talk about how what we're all we're really doing is moving back to to adam like we're moving yeah. back to our original state yeah and i and, and it, it it's um Partly, probably due to that, the child is the most open to pursuit, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to knowing, to, to desiring things, and the child has this you know, openness to not knowing what it's seeking, but still seeking. Right. right? Uh, yeah, and having this, uh, yeah, having this sort of, uh, as he's been talking about with the bride, right, this desire to move into this yeah. this reality. Um, which is, uh, you know, I always bring up Montessori, but it, it's really her understanding of, of, of childhood and education. Yeah. And she had a she had a degree in philosophy, too. But she uh, she specifically said it's the child's openness to wonder that is the root of education. It's yeah. not like we have to. It was very against the information yeah. type of yeah. uh, understanding that Schindler was uh-huh. talking about, uh-huh. where. Where, where there's this idea that we have to download bits of information into them. Instead, there's this reality that they see before them that they want to enter into. Yeah. And that all we are there to do is to be a guide between them and reality uh-huh. and them and therefore them and God. Yeah, yeah. Is what she says. Yeah. Which I think is... <coughs> Interestingly, I think if you put that in a Nissan context, yeah. then what you're trying to do is just move back to an openness to reality, yeah, to a contemplation, yeah, and I, I, um, I think it's it's uh, why certain people seem, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know, good way, they, they seem childlike in in their interest in certain things, meaning like there there's this sort of op- 
like kids really like school until they actually have to like go to school. Uh, <laughs> school ruins school. <laughs> school ruins school. Yeah, uh, and school ruins education. Yeah, um, it right. does. And and so um, I mean, most people, most most people probably know what I'm what I mean by that. Yeah, you've probably experienced something similar. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it's it's only it's only when you return to that earlier state of like I actually found it interesting to learn about ants. Yeah. Right. I really wanted to learn about ants. And so you, and, and when you find yourself returning to that mentality, that the disposition, you, you, you kind of, um, I don't find yourself being more educated, more, right. um, well, and if mature, that is, mature as a knower, right? if that is the point of human nature, then not only is sort of this forced bit learning, a destruction of education, but it's a destruction of man. And I think that's the most dreadful thing yeah. of all. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because if you don't have that 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 excitement and uh, this this sort of like moving into wanting to move into reality, then then you will never be perfect, right? I mean, th- that's Gregory's point yeah. in yeah. many ways, right? In yeah. fact, it, this this section on come from Labanus, yeah. fifty one. Um, he he talks about the goodness of thirst, um, which is going right to the sort of the heart of that. Um, as he says at the bottom of 2.13, um, uh, Christ puts no, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Here he puts no limit on our thirst, nor on our movement towards him, nor on the satisfaction of yeah. our thirst. Yeah. But he has created our tendency to thirst, to drink, and to move towards him by a command that is constant and perpetual. And so he says, um, we, we taste the sweetness of the Lord and it becomes a kind of invitation to further enjoyment. Man, this sounds like Schindler's language, right? Yeah. And thus, the one who is rising towards God constantly experiences this continual enticement towards further progress. So when you yeah. gain, whenever you gain, you're going to be enticed more. Like, that's the thing. You're not going to, it doesn't end. You're never satisfied. Yeah. Um, and yet, the insatiability of it is a satisfaction in some, in some combination of opposites, right? Which is why you perpetually rise. Mm-hmm. Which actually gets us, I mean, so, in, in yeah. the section after that, yeah. on the lines then, um, how he talks about um, this. Uh, so, so this is all from this verse. If you look at page two thirteen again, right after "Come from Lebanus," the verse, uh, verse eight, "Come from Lebanus, my spouse. Come from Lebanus. Come, thou shalt pass and come from the beginning of faith, from the top of Senir and Hermon." from the dens of the lions and the mountains of the leopards. And so his whole explanation of this is, he says, uh, when he gets to the, well, he talks about the two mountains, and he says that's actually the, the source waters of the Jordan. So yeah. the beginning of faith is baptism. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but then he says, um, why does he bring up the lions and the and the and leopards? Mm-hmm. It's because he's he's intensifying the bride's present joy top of 216 by introducing the unpleasant things that are now past a time of peace is much more enjoyable after the war is past and can be made pleasant by stories of past suffering the body takes much more pleasure in the blessing of good health when nature has been restored after a painful bout with sickness so he's not only he says he's not only showing his bride his own beauty but also reminding her of the terrifying beasts that she's already conquered right yeah so he's 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 saying that there's something that has to do, and this is this makes me think of sort of a Delubach's obsession with the historicity of man and Ratzinger too. 
that man is a historical reality, and that's just what he is. So that it's not just, I'm going to uh, make you feel better about the good that you have now by reminding you of the past, but that, in a sense, your joy mm-hmm. is constituted by the conquering of the, of the lions. Like, it's not just... So, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is true, but it sounds like it to me. It's not that you can't, like, here's the great, the great question that all of us have. What, why did God put us in this world with suffering mm-hmm. and, and pain and death um, when he could have just made us in heaven, right? That's, and that's kind of like one of these, like, really hard to answer theological yeah. questions. Yeah. You're just like, but it depends on, on, on sort of your metaphysical understanding of man. I, I wonder if Gregory's metaphysics here is, you just wouldn't, like, heaven wouldn't be it. It's a nonsensical question to ask because yeah. you can't be human and be joyful without having conquered the beast. Yeah, it's just what it means to be human. At, at least that's what I think he's saying. Yeah. Right? I yeah. think he's saying something like that. Yeah, and so, so that it's not like you—it's not like this joy is a separate reality from right. your life, right? right? And this is the constant like worry that I have now. Yeah, because I think we do this, right? We separate the sacred, sacred and the secular, and blah blah yeah. blah. So if you separate if you separate the joy from from the sin, then you don't understand the joy. I think that's what Gregory's saying. Yeah, and I think you can put that you can put it in theological terms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> um, sacred terms. Sacred terms. <laughs> uh, but if the if 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 Christ the incarnate is a revelation of God. Mm-hmm. Um, that in some ways the the crucifixion, the cross, is something that isn't separated from like the the perfection of love, and in many ways even the perfection of of, of being. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, so you have um, this this. It's an interesting question. When you look at the cross, do you see the worst thing or the best thing? And I think what you get is you get the the, the, the conjunction, yeah. the perfect union yeah. of, it, of it, there's a revelation that they're actually not mutually exclusive. Yeah, it has it has it, 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 the best thing has brought the worst thing yeah. to actually the highest. And, and not that it like it's it's made it's made it good to do evil things, right, right? Right. Right. But but it has taken it has taken like the pure separation, pure uh, um, um, uh, uh, pain and suffering, and and has made it the, the the greatest occasion, and even the greatest sign now, the sign of the cross, as the greatest sign of joy, hope, fulfillment. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not that you look at it and you think miserable thoughts but you look at it and you 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 recognize that the 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 um the pain and suffering is not separate from the the love yeah and, and ultimately the, the paradoxically the joy of of self-sacrifice yeah but it's not yeah it, as long as we understand it's not a mere sign where i look at the cross and i think oh it reminds me of the joy that i'll have in heaven Thank yeah. God Jesus did that horrible thing. Yeah, because because then I, <laughs> I don't think it actually would really be a sign. Right, right, 
Right. And like, it, I think so here's another here's another line that backs you up. Um, Gregory talking about Libanus, which 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 Danilu says in the footnote. Yeah, I like this. Libanos yeah. is actually incense in Greek. Yeah. Right. And so he said there's there's a there's a there's a there's sort of a Greek like play on words going on here. Um, but he says here, right? Um, Come from Libanus, my spouse, in the middle of two fourteen. By this he means. You did well in following me up to now, and you have come with me to the Mount of Incense. That's Lebanos. Mm-hmm. Right? You were buried with me in baptism unto death, but you rose again and ascended in communion to my divinity. This is what is meant by the word Lebanos. Um, so there's this idea that incense, and he says this earlier, right? Yeah. yeah. With the frankincense and myrrh. Uh-huh. Incense is a sign of deification. Um, but he goes on. So rise up now from here and go on towards other peaks, advancing, ever rising by operative knowledge. Come then from Lebanus, he says, no longer as my betrothed, but as my bride. For no one can live with me as my bride unless by the myrrh of death mm-hmm. she is transformed into the incense of Lebanus. So there's something, deification is is death in some way. Right? Yeah. And that's the revelation of Jesus Christ on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That, that the cross is not, it's not an instrumental, mechanical, technical way of causing us to be happy it is a revelation of what god is yeah it's 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 uh constitutive i mean it, it, yeah it's not um oh god died on the cross that so that we wouldn't have to right um, <laughs> no it's god died on the cross to show us that if you want to be him so the, the only <laughs> so so that we could actually that would be the only like true way to die yeah to 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 it's, wait, wait. We were that. we were like the undead, yeah. <laughs> right. We couldn't actually undergo the, like the depths of a real death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I think so. In some ways, like you you have you have it's 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 like a Tolkien. <laughs> I'm going back to that. It's like the 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 the, they, the, the they ghost were, warriors. Yeah, the ghost warriors. Yeah. Right? They, you know, they wanted they wanted actual death right? yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they couldn't have it yeah um, I mean I think there's something interesting about we highlight the life part um, of, of this but it, it might be that the revelation of the cross is is a, a sharing of perfect life because at the same time it's it's a sharing of like a, a, a death a, a, a giving a, of yourself a relinquishing of oneself yeah and you can't fully give yourself over unless you have the crucifixion. Right. And and going back to Tolkien, those those guys, how did they how were they released yeah. into real death? Yeah. By fighting for another. Yeah. Right. I mean yeah. it was it was it was it was by love, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what real death is, right? It's yeah. love. Yeah. Right. Which is again the context of the whole song of Solomon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is is that love is 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 how you're transformed into into God, right? Yeah. Which is what he says, right? I mean he says that a number of times that we're transformed into God, right? Um but um well, looking at our time here. Um last points here. Yeah. Um I, I do want to talk about the mirror of the church. Mirror. Uh-huh. Okay. So he actually doesn't use the mirror image until the very, very end. Uh-huh. Um but What's interesting here, at the beginning here, he talks about the voice of the word is ever a, po- a voice of power. So when the word calls a soul that has advanced to come unto him, it is immediately empowered at his command and becomes what the, bride wish, what the bridegroom wishes. 
it is transformed into something divine. It is transformed from the glory in which it exists to a higher glory by a perfect kind of alteration. Um, this, this idea that the word calls and it happens is, I think, really important in understanding that we receive the ability, and not just the ability, but even the act of our freedom from him right, yeah. as a gift. Um, and so it's not just, you know, I should go do this stuff, although it is, looking at it from one angle. But it's right. also, I have to receive my doing of this stuff, yeah, um, which I think is important. But I, I think the, the, the better part in this, two things. Uh, first, I love how he talks about in, in Christ there is there's a revelation, a revelation of the opposites. Almost what we were just talking yeah, about, right, yeah, about death yeah, and life, right? Yeah. He says, in earlier time, these celestial powers, the angels, were familiar only with the regular uniform operation of the divine wisdom as it worked miracles in accordance with its nature, right? Um, so, you know, God did cool things like create. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, walk on water or something, right? Um, but he says, but now it's different, right? But that manifold quality of divine wisdom, which arises by the union of opposites, has only now been clearly revealed to them through the church. So he says the angels actually learned this through the church, which is interesting. Mm. How the word becomes flesh, life is mingled with death. In his bruises our wound is healed. The infirmity of the cross brings down the power of the adverse, uh, adversary. The invisible is revealed in the flesh. The captives are ransomed. He himself is both purchaser and price. Earlier he does a bunch of lists too on, mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of that page. How is it that life comes through death? Justice through sin, praise through malediction, glory through dishonor, strength through weakness, right? All of this is a new revelation in, in God, mm -hmm. in Christ, right? And specifically in the church, right? Yeah. That, that he's the slave and yet remains the king, right? All of this stuff that he talks about. So I, I think it's this weird, like, he almost wants to say, like, and, and maybe this is what I've, what we've been trying to say sort of the last four years. Uh, the paradox of being is Christian metaphysics. Yeah. Right. It just isn't. And 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 to not to deny paradox and say it either has to be this or that is 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 to fail to be a Christian. I mean, I think that's what yeah. Gregory's saying. That's definitely what I'm saying. I've, and I think I've been saying yeah. that for about four years, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe a little. Yeah. Longer. And the paradox of being is love. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you become full of yourself by giving yourself away. And it's kind of, and this is what I this is what I like about Balthazar. Uh, is he says it's that it's act, to call it a paradox is actually not really correct. Uh -huh. um, there's nothing paradoxical about it. There's nothing, um, how does he put it? Um, there's nothing. There's there's no tension in love. There's I mean it's it makes perfect sense to those that know it. There's nothing confusing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nothing confusing about it. It's right. only confusing to those that it's are trying to think about it in some other term. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, and I think that's really for me. That was that was that's a really important thing to um, to remember is that it's a it's a paradox when when thought about from a different angle, a, a different a, a paradigm, non, a non yeah, different paradigm. Yeah, which is why I think Jesus is a revelation because he's the one who has to come and reveal to us. You don't have to think in the paradigm you used to. Yeah, and which then, is why it's Christian metaphysics, and then it's also a revelation from within that that you might say, yeah, I know, but but I still don't get it. What do you? Yeah. But it's only once once you once you have um, sacrificed yourself for another that you start to understand. Ah, it's not actually paradoxical. It makes perfect sense. Right, right, right. and and not only that, and so it's kind of like 
you get it by not getting it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. when, you, when you stop trying to get it, just like the bride, right, who, uh-huh. who, who searched in the bed in the night and then passed them by. And she said, uh-huh. ah, then I found him yeah. when I passed by every name. Just, just in the same way, I think, like, when we try to get it in, in, in a get it kind of way, yeah. then, we don't, then we don't get it. But, <laughs> but when we stop trying to get it in a get it kind of way, then we get it in a not get it kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that. <laughs> Get it? Got it good. I got it. That made perfect sense to me. And if it didn't make sense, go back and rewind it and play that again. Yeah, which is the, the glory and also the downfall of, of podcasting. But, yeah. yeah. But um, another another point I want to bring up, uh, 219. Yeah. I was, I was very scared when I read this parenthetical note. Did you, I don't know if you thought this. He was talking about – so let me just read a little from the top of that paragraph. All these, all these and more are the works of wisdom that is manifold and obscure. And all these the friends of the bridegroom learn through the church. And thus they are given heart as they, as, as they recognize in mystery another aspect of the divine wisdom. Perhaps, <laughs> if I may venture a rather bold conjecture, I was like, okay. Gregory's like the boldest theologian like your ever. Whole, your whole book is bold. Yeah, like, your, your whole life is bold, and now you're saying you're going to do something bold? How do you bold something that's already emboldened? Yeah, I don't know. Bold I mean, this is where I'm afraid he's going to like punch me in the face. Uh, <laughs> perhaps, if I may venture something rather a bold conjecture, in seeing the beauty of the bridegroom in the bride, they're really admiring the invisible and incomprehensible as it is in all creatures. Yeah. And I, was, I just wrote on the side, beauty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is his bold conjecture. Beauty. Yeah. That's his bold yeah. conjecture, yeah. which is a bold conjecture. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it has to be. Yeah. Right? yeah. I think this is going to be, this is going to be, I think, the last chapter of Schindler. Oh, yeah. I think this is the last chapter of Schindler. Yeah. It's also uh, the, the uh, and I always go back to this, the preface of, of, of Schindler's senior yeah. to Delubach, right? Discovery of God. Yeah. yeah. No, not Discovery of Oh, Supernatural. Yeah. Supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Which is where he says, yeah, maybe, maybe Delubach would have said this if we had asked him but maybe maybe this openness of nature is not just a human thing which is which is yeah. exactly what he's suggesting yeah. Yeah. here right and i like where he goes after that we're we gonna we're we gonna keep going or? go ahead go ahead so a uh, few few lines down and yet he has made the church his body and he builds it with love through the increase of the faithful until we shall all be united in one perfect man mm-hmm. unto the measure of the age of the fullness of Christ. If then the church is Christ's body, Christ is the head of the body, forming the countenance of the church with his own features. Perhaps it is this that the friends of the bridegroom saw when they were given heart. In her, they see more clearly that which is invisible. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was awesome. And that's like, yeah. that's, that's just a perfect description of beauty. That's what it, right. that's what beauty is. Right. And 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 but there's this uh, unique beauty of the church, mm-hmm. which is that it isn't just. I mean, it's beauty come true. Or, yeah. Uh, it's 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 beauty. Myth become fact. Incarnate. Yeah. Yeah. So, even though we recognize that everything is beautiful, there's something about being the beautiful one that makes you. Yeah. That makes you not just beautiful, but capital B beauty. The um, the medium is the message. <laughs> yeah, you become you become what you're communicating. You become a sacrament. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? That's exactly what sacrament means, right? It's the sacramental yeah. reality. And, and it's right there. The next line is where he uses the, the reflection of the mirror. The sun yeah. reflected. Yeah. Uh -huh. The church is the pure mirror. And thus, he can be seen by his reflection. And yet, at the same time, he uses the language of reflection. At the same time, he uses the language of equation and yeah. identity. Yeah, and yeah. Uh -huh. he, says, he says that as well. Mm. So, oh, man. Good stuff. I and mean, we could talk about the one eye, which is really interesting, too. Oh, Cyclops. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the idea that um, the one who sees—I mean, this is this is kind of killer. He talks about the the, the he mentions the three persons of the Trinity here, um, and only the person that has the one pure eye, right? Because that's the, that's the one that that has given them heart. Yeah. One of thy eyes, because the other one see wanders off in senselessness. Yeah. But this one sees the truth, and so he says, the one who looks at God, what does he see? This is. By the way, this I thought this was very postmodern too. Um, near the bottom of that paragraph, some men have a very bad vision with regard to the eternal nation of the God, nature of Godhead because their eyes are at variance, because the image which arises in their from their distorted vision they divided his unique nature into many. I think he's talking about polytheists yeah. or or like um, tritheists. Yeah. These are men who are said to see much, and in seeing so much, they see nothing. <laughs> Yeah, or Eunomius. I mean, I think it's. I yeah. think it's, I think it's kind of like he probably has Trinitarian and Christological. Oh, absolutely! Right? right, they go hand in hand. They see, they see, they see many. Yeah. So the, the more you see, the less you see, because if you see more, you don't see the one, uh -huh. because there is only one. Right. Uh, and he goes on, and even some who look upon God soon wander off in material image of their imagination. Oh, this is yeah. like Nietzsche. They are unworthy of the angels' praise since they waste their time in fantasies about the non-existent. <laughs> so if you believe, if you believe you, this is really eunomius, I think. If you believe you see God, then guess what? You don't. <laughs> yeah. Right? You, you're, you're, you're worried about, you're worshiping something that doesn't exist. Yeah. So the multi-eyed one is the bad one. Right, the one who has many eyes, the many, one who can see a lot. It's only the one it, who's single-sighted. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's very Platonic. You have to become like that which you know, uh -huh. in order to know it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so and so, so you have to be. One, you have to have one eye to know, to know one the thing, one. the one. Yeah. yeah, and 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 it's by looking at the one that you become one, right? And yeah. and, and because that's what Gregory says over and over yeah. again, right? Yeah. Um, and oh, the man. necklace is the is the yoke of Christ. That's mm -hmm. just beautiful too. Um, but we'll move on. Oh, that is that is great. But I think uh, as That's we great. as we as we as we as you guys move on to your days, or or maybe end your days, you should um, do what Gregory would. Don't don't be eunomian and try to find things out, but let the mystery be. Let the mystery be.